Hayes, Alexander, Shabbat for three, bang, oh! will get it for the win. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Dime Dropper 24 Minute Recaps, episode number 78. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on all platforms at YouTube, at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, leave a review if you'd like, follow us on Spotify, and of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. For tonight's episode, we're going to keep it short, very short. Clippers and the Sixers, the Glen Rivers Goon Squad. We played them last at Staples Center without Embiid. Playing them tonight with Embiid. I thought Kawhi was going to be back, and he was out again. So I'm starting to get concerned. That's three games in a row. I always say that when it's multiple games like that, it's probably not load management. But knowing today's NBA, they probably want to be very conservative with something. And I don't know if this is the quad or the knee or it's just the foot. I don't really know. All I'm saying is I really hope he's playing next game because I'm going to next game. And the fans are back, and we're paying a lot of money, bro. I've never spent this much on a regular season game, and my seats aren't even good. So I'm just there because it's a historic event. But anyway, Paul did play. He was questionable beforehand, and he got in there, and they, apparently he was, he's been sick the last couple of days. But in the beginning of the game, we looked like we were shell-shocked. They came at us hard. Their defense was top-notch. Ben Simmons, in my opinion, is after watching him tonight, he's got to win Defensive Player of the Year. He's the best defender, I think, in the league. He's very good laterally. He's got great length and size, and he makes up a lot of ground. And, like, there was one closeout he had where he was, like, one second I saw him, he was at the top of the key at three, and then he was in the corner. It's closing out a shot and getting a block. So I thought that he was pretty impressive. And I also thought that Danny Green was really impressive. Starting out, shooting the ball well, hitting from three in the corner, and playing good D, moving his feet. Even Mike Scott in the beginning as well with some good closeouts. And Forkon Korkmaz turning the corner on some pick and rolls, and Reggie Jackson was, like, stunned. He was he, I, There was one play where he just didn't think he was going to turn the corner that hard, and he was left in the dust, and Joel Embiid got fouled underneath. And let's talk about Embiid who I thought was really good, exerting his dominance, especially in the beginning of the game against Zoo. Uh, I really like Embiid's game. Obviously, you know I'm a fan of the skilled big man. I think him and Jokic are the two best bigs since Shaq. I, I saw one of the classic, again, just seeing a Gen Z bot today on Twitter, talk running his stupid mouth, doesn't know anything about the game, probably 10 years old, talking about Embiid is better than Hakeem. Here's the thing. Some of the stuff that Joel Embiid's doing, just charging into guys like that, you again, you couldn't do that until, I don't know what, but not the 80s or before. So I know that in the beginning of Akeem's career, I don't know how if you could just do that. There was one play where he just, and the funny part is Zoo does it on the other end, and he gets called for the offensive foul because Embiid flops. So that's kind of frustrating, but that being said, Embiid's very good. I just need to see him do it in the playoffs. He hasn't had one good playoff run yet. He beat the Brooklyn Nets in 2019. Big deal. He didn't show us much. And he played well at home in Philly, but he didn't play well in Toronto, like, at all. 
And we're talking about if you with the talent he has, there's really no excuse for that. So this season will be a really good chance to see if Embiid has this has been a real breakout season for him. You know, he was obviously great in his third season, 2019, but eh, I still feel like there was he looked tired, he looked gassed. This fifth season of his now, he's been playing at a very high level. Let's see what happens. But anyway, let's continue with the game. They were up 20-3, to kicking our ass. I thought our offense wasn't good, though. We were intimidated by them. But the refs were calling, like, no hand-checking. At all. I'm sorry. They were letting them hand-check uh, in that first quarter. Then the second quarter comes around, and they completely change the way they ref the game and start calling everything. And I thought that somebody that came in and again made the difference for us. It was our first loss with him today. But playoff, again, came came in, settled the troops down, got to the rim. He can still get to the rim. And you know what the funny part about Rondo is? He doesn't even have a left hand like that. Like, you know, he, he just finds a way to get underneath and scoop with that right hand. And he finishes very well. It's, it still has his moments where he hasn't finished, though, a la 2010 Game 7. But definitely different levels of crowded paints these days than that. Um, but Rondo, I thought was great. He came in. He set a couple guys up. I thought the Sixers did a really good job. Of keeping Kennard, uh, you know, just not getting letting him get any rhythm at all. And they were closing out hard. And I thought Luke could have been more aggressive. You know, I don't know how many shots he shot tonight. Let's take a look. Three. I mean, that's not good enough. He was one of two from three. Three points. He had the worst plus minus of anyone on the clips. Minus 14. So thought he wasn't aggressive enough. And he only played 18 minutes. But also, we should, we should have ran some more stuff for him. But at the same time, I think... Ben Simmons and different guys. Like there were a couple times where uh, Paul George looked a little intimidated by Ben Simmons. Ben got a hand on a couple of his passes. Paul George turned the ball over seven times tonight. So I thought even though he played very well, that's what I want to talk about. I think Paul helped us get back in the game. and We were still down 11 at the half, but I thought he was getting more comfortable. He was getting to the rim on guys, especially when they started not calling hand-checking and uh, calling some weak fouls at the rim. But the thing is, Joel Embiid got all those weak fouls as well the other way. However, I really liked the way Paul was playing. I liked that he was being aggressive, and he had some really nice finishes. But he could not hit his three ball, and I thought that he was shooting slightly too many. But considering the way he's been shooting in the, under the weather, he probably didn't feel like going to the rim too much. And he still ended up shooting a very decent percentage from the field, 14 of 29, 4 of 12 from 3. That's the part I didn't really like. But I thought that in the third quarter, we did a good job of getting back in the game, and a spark plug was Patrick Patterson, who I've been very critical of, but tonight he was really good. He was hitting all his open threes, and he actually did a very good job um, on Embiid, which is also so funny to me because, you want to, as I was saying just now, you want to talk about Hakeem and all these great big men. You think they're getting locked up by Pat Patterson? Pat Patterson was limiting this man. You know, and Embiid started going cold. And then the whole energy of the Sixers started changing. The defensive pressure wasn't the same, and our offense was totally different. And I, one thing, again, I love about this Clipper team is that we've only had, right, like, two games this season, New Orleans and Memphis, where we just haven't really shown up. And Dallas, of course. But for the most part, we've come out to play every night. And that's, you got to credit the coaching staff. Ty Lue, Kenny Atkinson, Mr. Big Shot. Um, uh, is Rex Kalamian still with us? I don't even know. But... You know they've come. We've come out to play. Um, we've come out to play every single night for the most part, and especially when you keep running your stuff offensively, 
that's when you get going. That's when you can stay going. And there's always a chance to come back in a game. And Nick Batum, you know, that's the type of guy that makes all the little plays. Marcus Morris Sr., Reggie Jackson, they started hitting more shots in the second half. Reggie was 4 of 7 from 3, 4 of 13 from the field, though not his best game. But he was still decent. Happy birthday, Reggie Jackson, by the way. Turned 31. 13 points. I thought Zoo in the beginning was awful. I thought he was getting cooked by Embiid, but also just looked slow and lost out there. And the la- He's had two bad games. Yeah, he's had two bad games. Um, let's see. Who else? DeMarcus Cousins also. I thought that Boogie was... He just doesn't look like he has any legs on him, man, sadly. I still think we should keep him on the roster, but uh, he doesn't look like he has much legs on him. The thing is, though, we got to keep playing him a little bit. I mean, tonight it was a very good opposition. I get it. Patterson was the better fit for the game to go small like that and stretch him out a bit. But... Like, next game, the one I'm going to, Minnesota. First game with the fans. I think you bring Boogie in. Try to let him feast. I know the Timberwolves just got a great win tonight against Miami, which is ridiculous. How are the Heat losing to teams like that? How are they allowing 117 points to that team? Despicable. But, um, oh my god. Who is this LOL? Anyway. Uh, so the Clippers made a good, valiant effort to come back. And... Rondo really led that charge. I mean, he's got this thing where it seems like when he passes guys the ball, they hit. Like, it's just got, they've got that special sort of confidence that, you know, Rondo's delivering it to you. There was one where Reggie just pulled up in transition. Not an easy three at all. Paul George in the corner, and you saw his reaction. He was getting a little, getting a little hyped. And then uh, I think Senior as well. But at the end, we kind of ran out of gas, especially Paul. He had a couple turnovers and bad plays at the end. But again, I don't really expect Paul George to get carry us out of that win. I mean, you, he gave us 37 points tonight. Like, for me, I'm not complaining with that. You know, I'm critical of Paul. But 37 points tonight when he was questionable to play, he was very good. I think that he was just, we were asking a lot of him. And I thought that the refs were pretty friendly to Philly, just saying. But, we, we, you know, they were the better team tonight. You got to tip your hat. No Tobias Harris. You got to tip your hat. It's okay, though. Our best player wasn't even playing. But here's the thing. Yeah, so the Clippers lose it, 106-103. Our first loss with a playoff on the team. 37 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists for Paul to go along with a steal and 2 blocks. But 7 turnovers isn't good enough. Rondo, again, plus-minus. Fantastic, plus seven, 10 points, four rebounds, eight assists, four of seven from the field. For the Sixers, Embiid ended up still having a great stat line because he had he got so many free throws. But I thought that Patterson did a really good job on him. I see a comment in the live. Did you watch the game? I thought Patterson did a really solid job on him. You know, you think I think that Patterson can guard Embiid one-on-one? No, but he did a good job on him. Embiid is out here missing chippies with six-footers uh, against him. You know, he cooked two, he cooked senior, uh, he got some very e- come on. He got some very e- uh, generous calls. Let's be honest. That Paul George doesn't get, quite frankly. Let's see how many calls Paul George got tonight. He got one or two friendly calls, but for the most part, not many. Five of seven. Ah, eh, that's compared to eighteen for Joel. You know what I'm saying? And here's the thing. I've been talking about that the and Jeff Van Gundy always says this. He said, um, he says. That the, the difference in the way they officiate the post and the perimeter is very different, which is true. But it looks like they've really eased up on guys like Jokic and Embiid now that they're stars and in the limelight because they give them every call, basically every call, just like perimeter players, uh, basically. But I think it's, you know, what it is, is I think it's more facing up than posting up, maybe. Like when they turn, though, when they turn, if you put a hands on them, they'd be calling that shit. Um, and then they choose random times not to. Like it's just very weird. They're just terrible officials, they're not consistent at all. But, um, yeah, I like the way that the game progressed. It was an, it was a fairly entertaining watch. I thought that the last play, though, was very... We were down by three. 
And it was very questionable because Reggie Jackson had just made a three. He had hit a game winner in Detroit. And Ty, who, you know, I'm, I've praised so much this season. And this doesn't change anything about how he's done this season. But he didn't even have Reggie on the court at the end of the game. Why not for the last possession when you just made a three? He's been our best three-point shooter in the last month or so, maybe aside from senior. And he just did a three. And you're giving it to senior. We're not even getting Paul George the ball there. And Paul George is our best player on the court tonight. Uh, I didn't like that. Senior did not have a good game. Mike Scott locked him up because it's a good matchup for him size-wise because he's not going to get bullied in the post, and Senior is not the quickness guy to take you off the dribble. So I thought that uh, Scott did a good job. Uh, Senior, let's see what he finished with. He still shot efficiently somehow, and it felt like he had a terrible game. 15 points, 5 of 10, and 2 of 5 from 3, but 3 of 5 from the line. He doesn't usually shoot 60% from the line. So, yeah. Reggie Jackson missed a free throw. Paul George missed two free throws. That's another way we lost. We didn't make, I mean, good free throw shooters missing free throws, but it's not a big deal. My biggest problem is this. My thing is, my thing is, we are, are, um, we are kind of getting to the point where I'm starting to see that we just are going to do anything to not risk anything in the playoffs with our injuries before the playoffs so we don't care about getting home court advantage for a second round series which i don't mess with at all i think we should be going for that two seed because i don't want to play phoenix in game seven on the road if we are have to come down to that i just don't have a good feeling about that i just don't i think it would be great to play game seven at home in front of the fans because last year we were robbed of that but they seem like they don't care. The thing is, I just don't trust the team. Even though I love our team, and it, I want to believe it's different, but I wanted to believe it was different last year, too, and I'm a Clipper fan. So you gotta eventually, you got to just be not kill. You don't want to destroy your emotions, man. I can't do it. So I'm expecting the worst, of course, even with how great we've played. Even though it's not what I truly believe. In my heart of hearts, I really think that we're going to make the conference finals this year if, if we don't play the Lakers in the first two rounds. But it's the Clippers, and you never know what can happen with an injury or anything like that anyway. Because here's my thing about the injuries. You know, everybody says that, oh, these rests will help the injuries. People are, we're resting more and more, and people are getting injured more and more. Jamal Murray was rested, he came back, and then he got injured. You, who knows, who's to say that that wouldn't have happened later in the season? I mean, he's he played in the bubble, he's been playing a lot. You know, I think that it's a bigger problem. You know, see, you saw Donovan Mitchell get injured today. Um, so, it's, it's, just a, it's just a thing with before this season. It's not just this season, but again, with the short and off season, it's been exacerbated. And that's the funny part is that we, you know, we're playing against the Wolves on Saturday or Sunday. And I paid a good amount. I've never paid this much for regular season game. I really want to see Kawhi and Paul there if they're not hurt. Get on the court. Like, come on. We're paying a lot. Like, I'm sitting in the fucking 300s, bro. Like, just because I care so much about this team. And here's the thing. I'm going to enjoy the experience regardless of if they play or not because it's the name on the front. But it pisses me off because you're making 30 milli and you're supposed to be the best players of our generation. You know what I'm saying? So, um, uh, but yeah. So please play. If I can just get Paul George to play. I haven't seen him since his rookie year against Indiana when Blake had his career high. So please just play, man. That's all I ask. Give us something. I'm going to be there loud as I can. If you're a Clipper fan and you're watching this video and you are going to the game, Please be loud at the game, man. Let us let the people, the players know that we're there. You know, this is the first impression for Batum, for Rondo, of the fans of Clipper Nation. So, like, let's be loud. Let's, you know, it, this thing about Clipper fans. Lake for some reason it's the opposite of Laker games. Laker games, you go to the three hundreds, you got great enthusiasm up there. You go lower level, it's the crickets. Clippers is the opposite. You go upstairs, it's crickets. It's like they're not even at the game. Lower level, everybody's engaged. 
it's it's weird. It's a weird opposite thing. I think it's maybe because the Laker fans, the diehards, don't have enough. Like they can't. It's hard to afford those pricey tickets, so they get into the three hundreds. They're just happy to be there. And Clipper fans, the ones that are up top, are just the deals they give. Like oh, a school can go, or oh, I'm just taking my friend out to go see a basketball game type shit. That's the Clippers are a cheaper alternative to see pro basketball. And then the real Clipper fans are like, I'm a ball out. I'm gonna spend fifty bucks, forty bucks, seventy, eighty, a hundred bucks to go sit and see them closer. So I think maybe that's the difference. But anyway, we'll see. We'll get the, the whole live video and stuff uh, on set on Sunday night. So I'm hoping to see Paul George because I didn't see him last year. He was injured for both games I went to. So I'm really hoping to see it. But I'm sorry, man. I just it's hard, man. It's really hard to have to hear you know fans tell me to to not care about the fact that the players are resting. So, because because we have all those people like this guy in the chat right now, LOL, talking about players are better than they've ever been. You know what I'm saying? But how can you say that? It, it goes against everything that I'm seeing with my eyes. It goes, like, you can't just tell me that you can play, like, not at all. And then, and like, you can, you can play, you can miss games so much with soreness and different things. Soreness, guys. Like, I'm sorry, but here's the thing. One team's going to win the chip. I want us to have the best chance to win the chip, but one team's going to win. 29 teams are going to lose. So at the end of the day, all your conservativeness, um, it's 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 like you're, you're taking the experience away from... I think you're worsening the entertainment product. But the thing is, if fans have lowered their expectations so much, it's not going to matter because the league's going to keep profiting, and that's all that matters. So, yeah. It's it's really tough to see it. I mean, call me spoiled. I had Kobe growing up, and I really don't think that I took I took it for granted that players would play every night. The Jamal Crawfords, the Chauncey Billups, the Ben Wallaces. It's like maybe I should start getting into college ball because I just don't want to be frust frustrated like this anymore, and I don't want to just sound like the uh, grumpy old man, which I've become at 22 fucking years old. Can you believe it? 22. I didn't want like you understand. Like I've never met anybody in my entire life that said that they like that that has been as into the NBA as me. Not one person. Not one. And everybody that's met me has said the same thing about me. So for me to be saying this, people need to realize, like, it hurts, man. It hurts to see what I'm seeing. My team is bearable to watch because they're so good. But it definitely sucks not to see Kawhi and Paul every night. But at the end of the day, I don't care if we get to the conference finals. But it's like, I don't know. It's There's no guarantee that they're going to get hurt if they play. And there's no guarantee they're going to be healthy if they play. It's always a risk whenever you step on the court. I get it, the overcompensation. But again, we're talking about you, this guy saying progression over time you know what i'm saying okay then how have our athletes regressed how have they regressed in their durability how is that part of not a part of athleticism we've thrown that out the window now with the best medical facilities that we always talk about the medicine the evolution that everybody talks about and these guys can't play in a full season they can't even attempt to do it so i don't understand i don't understand what gabe said yesterday maybe they're training their minds to do it to play 60 games and not play the full you know, and then the funny part is the recent fan that doesn't that doesn't know about the two thousand uh, the 80s and the 70s and the 60s is going to say it's because the style of play because they're playing faster. Little do they realize this is not the fastest the NBA has ever been. But what's really wrong is the training because things do not get better over time because you hear that from the media and that's what you think. This isn't a fucking arcade game. This is real human beings and genetics and a real product that gets changed by the rules and the people in charge. Anyway, that's it for me tonight, guys. Thanks for joining me, regardless of how much I bitch about this garbage. Um, it is garbage, by the way. Anyway, uh, hopefully it's not garbage on Sunday, though. And I'm excited to be back home 
where I belong, the Staples Center, the greatest goddamn beautiful stadium in the world, the sports entertainment center of the world. Peace, and now we go to the live subscribers. Super Chats, oh my god. 